The Sermons of St. Francis de Sales for Advent and Christmas. Continuing his sermon for Christmas Eve, The Coming of the Divine Infant. Some say that the shepherds to whom the angels appeared represent religious and all those who make profession of tending to perfection. But if each one of us is a shepherd and pastor, who are our flock, our sheep? They are our passions, inclinations, affections, and spiritual faculties. Note that only the shepherds who were keeping night watch over their flock had the honor and the grace of hearing this gracious news of our Lord's birth. This is meant to show us that if we do not keep watch over the flock that God has put in our charge, that is, our passions, inclinations, and spiritual faculties, feeding them in some holy pasture land, keeping them in order and at their duty, then we will not merit to hear this very lovable news of our Savior's birth, nor will we be capable of going to visit him in the manger where his most blessed mother will place him tomorrow. But the most holy nativity of our Lord is a truly great mystery. Each and every one can find in it much consolation, but especially those who are better prepared and have, in imitation of the shepherds, watched carefully over their flocks. At one time, we were all unworthy of knowing how to watch over our flocks. As a good shepherd and very lovable pastor of our souls, his sheep for whom he has done so much, our Lord came himself to teach us what we ought to do. How happy we will be if we imitate him faithfully and follow his example. But what does this very sweet infant do? Look at him in the manger. You will find him, said the angels, wrapped in swaddling clothes. He certainly does not need to be bound thus. Infants are wrapped in swaddling clothes because, being still tender, if they were not thus bound, they might make a false turn and so become maimed. They are also bound so as to prevent injury to their eyes or face. Were their hands free, they might strike and harm themselves. After all, they do not yet know any better. Why fear that this might happen to our Lord, since he had the use of reason from the moment of his conception? He could not make a false turn, being uprightness itself. What goodness in this lovable Savior! He submitted to doing as other children, in order that he might appear as any other poor little baby subject to the necessities and laws of infancy. He truly weeps, but it is not from tenderness over himself, nor from bitterness of heart, but quite simply to conform himself to other children. There was still another reason why our Lord wanted to be bound and wrapped and subject to his most holy mother, letting himself be handled, carried and wrapped, just as it pleased her, without showing any annoyance whatever. He wanted to teach us how to govern and rule over our spiritual flock, that is, our passions, affections, and spiritual faculties. There are two principal faculties on which all the others depend, namely concupiscence and irascibility. All other powers, faculties, and passions seem to be subject to these two faculties and act only through their commands. By concupiscence, we love and desire what seems good and profitable to us. 
By it we rejoice in prosperity and are saddened in adversity, in mortification, and in all things repugnant to our self-will. Irascibility produces sadness, repugnances, anger, despair, and so on. Our Lord wants us to learn from him how to order these things according to reason. We see him wrapped and fastened in bands and clothes by his most blessed mother. He intends thereby to motivate us to bind and fasten with the swaddling clothes of obedience all our passions, affections, and inclinations, all our powers, both interior and exterior, our senses, humors, and all that we are. Lest we mismanage ourselves, he wants us to give up such self-management, except in so far as obedience permits it. See this sweetest of infants, who lets himself be so governed and led by his most blessed mother, that truly it seems that he cannot do otherwise. His sole purpose in this, my dear souls, is to show us what we ought to do, especially religious who have vowed their obedience. Our Lord could never misuse his will or his liberty, yet he desired that all should be hidden under these swaddling clothes, his eternal knowledge and wisdom, all that he was as God, equal to his Father, as well as the use of reason, the power of speaking, in short, all that he was to be when he had attained the age of thirty years. Everything without reserve was enclosed and hidden under the veil of the holy obedience that he bore his father, who obliged him to be like all other infants in everything. As St. Paul says, he had to become like his brothers in every way. What else have we to say except that the mystery of our Lord's nativity is also the mystery of the visitation? Just as the most holy virgin was to visit her cousin St. Elizabeth, we too must go very often during this octave to visit the divine babe lying in the manger. There we shall learn from the sovereign pastor of shepherds to direct, to govern, and to put our flocks in order in such a way that they will be pleasing to his goodness. But as the shepherds doubtless did not go to see him without bringing him some little lambs, we must not go there empty-handed either. We must bring him something. What can we bring to this divine shepherd more pleasing than the little lamb which is our love and which is the principal part of our spiritual flock? For love is the first passion of the soul. Oh, how very grateful he will be to us for this present, my dear sisters. And with what great consolation will the Most Holy Virgin receive it through her great desire for our good? This divine infant will doubtless look upon us with his benign and gracious eyes as reward for our gift and a sign of his pleasure in receiving it. Oh, how happy we will be if we visit this dear Savior of our souls. We will receive from him an unparalleled consolation. Just as the manna had the taste with which each one desired, each one of us will find a special consolation in visiting this most lovable baby. The shepherds visited him and were blessed by him with very great joy. Returning, they sang God's praises and announced what they had seen to all they met. But St. Joseph and the most glorious virgin received indescribably greater consolations because they assisted him and remained in his presence 
serving him according to their ability. Both those who went away and those who remained were consoled, but not equally. For each received according to his capacity. Anna, mother of Samuel, was childless for a very long time. This caused her to be restless and inconstant in her moods. When she saw women rejoicing with their children, she lamented and grew sad because she had none. And when she heard others complain of their children, she rejoiced that God had not given her any. But from the moment she had little Samuel, she was never in a bad mood. Doubtless, we have had some excuse for our moments of sadness and moodiness while we were without this lovable infant who was just born for us, or will be born tomorrow. But henceforth, it will no longer be right for us to be sad, for in him we have every reason for joy and happiness. Bees are restless while they are without a queen. They incessantly flutter hither and yon. There is scarcely any rest in their hive. But as soon as their queen is born, they all gather round her, leading only for gathering their spoils, and it seems by her command or permission. In the same way, our senses, interior powers, and spiritual faculties are like mystical bees. Until they have a ruler, that is, until they have chosen our newly born lord for their king, they are restless. Our senses ceaselessly wander about, drawing our interior faculties after them. Dissipated now on one object they encounter, and then on another. There is nothing but a constant waste of time, restlessness, and disquietude, all of which shatter the free peace and tranquility which are so necessary for our souls. But as soon as they have chosen our Lord for their king, they ought, like chaste and mystical bees, to place themselves near him, never leaving their hive, except for the exercises of charity which he commands them to practice toward their neighbor. Immediately after each charitable exercise, they should retire and gather round this most lovable king to distill and store up the honey of the holy and loving thoughts that they draw from the sacred presence of our sovereign Lord. His simple look into our souls causes unparalleled affections in them, as well as the zeal to serve him and love him more and more perfectly. This is the grace I desire for you, my dear souls, that you remain very near to the sacred Savior who is about to gather us all around himself in order to keep us always under the standard of his most holy protection, just like the shepherd who has care of his sheep and of his flock, or like the queen bee who cares so much for her swarm that she never leaves her hive, without being surrounded by all her little people. May his goodness grant us the grace to hear his voice, as sheep hear that of their shepherd, so that in recognizing him as our sovereign shepherd, we will not stray away nor listen to the voice of the stranger who remains near us like an infernal wolf, always ready to ruin and to devour us. May we have the fidelity to keep ourselves submissive, obedient, and subject to his wishes and commands, as the bees do with their queen, in order that we might begin in this life what, with the help of God's grace, we shall do eternally in heaven, where may the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lead us. Amen. This has been taken from The Sermons of St. Francis de Sales for Advent and Christmas, 
translated by Nuns of the Visitation, and edited by Father Louis S. Fiorelli, OSFS. Published in 1987 by Tan Books and Publishers Incorporated, Rockford, Illinois, and aired with permission of the publisher. This book may be purchased online at www.tanbooks.com or by calling 1-800-437-5876.